Luke chapter 10. We're going to do something different this week as we're going through a series called Characters. And not only this week, but this entire month going through this. As we're going through different characters of the Bible, both in the New and in the Old Testament, and really learning lessons in where we can draw from and grow from as both men and women of the Lord. You know, one of the things that's so awesome about what we're going to see today and what's really impressive about this character uh, that we learn or this disciple of Christ that we learn of in Luke chapter 10 is um, that she is not mentioned a lot in Scripture. Yes, I said she. This is amazing, right? She's not mentioned a lot in Scripture. She's only mentioned three times in the Gospels. Only three times in the entire Bible is Mary of Bethany mentioned. When was the last time you heard an entire study on Mary of Bethany? (laughs) It probably wasn't ever. Because you only hear about her three times. And the three times you hear about her, she's only in in the chapter for a verse and then she's gone. For two verses and then she's gone. For three verses and then she's gone. She makes an appearance, Mary of Bethany, and then she escapes. I'll tell you, Mary of Bethany, we can learn so much from her and of her life. Really, really can. <laughs> because she's mentioned three times. I'll tell you what's most impressive here. Those three times that she was mentioning in the Bible, all three times she's doing the same thing. All three times she's at the feet of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Just to learn that already from Mary's life. She was a woman that not only served Jesus, but also walked with Jesus. And I know a lot of people that you hear for, on, here on midweek Wednesday night, you made an effort to come. Not only are you walking with Jesus, but you're also serving Jesus like Mary of Bethany. And Mary of Bethany would go with one place to another and follow the disciples and meet the needs of Christ. But, but what's amazing about her, that not only she, she walked with Christ, she also served Jesus and we can learn from her. You see, these three times that she's mentioned in Scripture, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. I titled today's message, if you like taking notes, Ministry at the Feet of Jesus. Ministry at the Feet of Jesus. What does she teach us when it comes to ministry at the feet of Jesus? To have a life that's committed to His presence. Do you have a life that's committed to the presence of God today? You see, Mary of Bethany had a life that was committed to the presence of Christ. She was so committed to the presence of Christ. Not only was she committed to the presence of Christ, I'll tell you this, she was satisfied in the presence of Christ. A lot of times we like being in the presence of Christ. We'll go into the presence of the Lord. We'll come out of the presence of God. But are you satisfied in the presence of God? Mary of Bethany shows us she is very much so satisfied in the presence of Christ So therefore, every time we see her make an appearance through the Gospels, she's at the feet of Christ. And we learn three things in those three instances. Number one, Jesus is our priority. I want to ask you today, is Jesus your priority? Or is there something or someone more important than Jesus in your life? You see, ministry at the feet of Jesus, a life committed to the presence of God, means that Jesus is your priority. Number one, Jesus is your priority. Number two, and I I want you to remember these, please, is that Jesus is our comfort in times of crisis. Mary of Bethany shows us also that Jesus is our comfort in times of crisis. 
And also, number three, that Jesus is our worship. Jesus is our worship. That is the central fact of what we worship. It is Jesus. It's not anything else. We worship Jesus. Jesus is our priority. Jesus is our comfort in times of crisis. And Jesus also is our worship. Now, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we're going to see where she chronologically makes that first appearance. And when we're introduced to her here in Luke chapter 10, and we learn a little bit about her as she has now been introduced to us with also her sister Martha. It says this, Luke 10, verse 38. Now, it happened as they went that he entered Jesus, a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. I want you to underline that. Welcomed him into her house. This is Martha. And it says here now, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Mary wasn't the primary one. She was the sister. Every time it mentions this, uh, Mary, she always comes after Martha or even after Martha and her brother Lazarus. But here she had a sister named Mary who also sat. Listen who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. That was, that, that, that was, that's just so key right there. The position, the posture, the occupation. See, she, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word and said, But Martha, verse 40, was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? God, don't you care here? Then my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One thing is needed. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Can we pray tonight? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word, Lord. We ask, Lord, not only that it would... Lord, that we would read it out loud, God, audibly, Lord, but that we would also receive it into our hearts, God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us from tonight what it means to sit at your feet and to hear your word. What does it mean to be ministered by you, Jesus? Lord, I ask, God, that we would be committed to your presence, that we would be sitting in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we said, Amen. Amen. You see Mary and Martha here, and they welcomed him into their house. Now Martha is, is so anxious, so excited, full of emotion, Martha here. Just like many of us, we want to receive a guest into our house. And she, she's concerned about all the details, wanting to make sure it is perfect for God. And we can become very much so like Martha here. But it tells us here that as he went into that place on his way now, or on his journey... That, that there was a Mary, but what was Mary doing? What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she was doing something else. She was only sitting there. She was hearing His words. She was being ministered to. You see, this is important for us because it, it really sets the pace on the importance of sitting at His feet and sitting in His presence. See, before we do anything for God, before we do anything for Christ, and what we do for Him will never replace how you sit in before the Lord. Sometimes we think, you know what, just because I'm doing all this for God, it replaces the way I sit in before His presence. No, we have to be people that are committed to sitting in the presence of God. You know, sometimes we, we mention, have you sat in to hear the Word of God today? 
have you sat in to hear the message? But what about you sitting in privately, you one-on-one with the Lord, and sitting at His feet and just hearing His Word? Sometimes we think that, you know what, we're so busy, that, that counts as being ministered to God. But no, you must be ministered to the Lord and sit at His Word before you can minister to anyone else. And she tells us the importance of this because here Mary, Mary was, was concerned more about the person that was in the house than about the needs that were in that place. You know, that can be so easily us. We're, we're concerned about the needs that are in the, around the place. We're concerned about all the, 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 the things that need to be met that we forget the person that just walked into our house. It's Jesus. But she's sitting at His feet. And what is she doing? She's hearing His Word. Now, why is that important? Because it is at His feet that we learn to distinguish and to know His voice. Do you know how His voice sounds like? Do you know that if it's really the Lord that's confirming this to you? Because if you want to hear His voice, I'll tell you this, you must have a mind to listen. Do you have a mind to listen today? If you want to hear His voice, you must have a mind to listen. That way we really know what it means to hear from God. We really know what it means that He's leading us this direction or another direction because we're sitting in His presence and we're hearing His voice and we have a mind to listen. See, Mary, before she was interested in what she can do for Him, she wanted to know what she can learn from Him. And there's a lot of us sometimes that are so concerned, and I put myself in that place, we're so concerned about what we can do for Him instead of what we can learn from Him. Before you can do anything for Him, expect and be interested in what you can learn from Him because that's what happens when you sit at His feet. Before we have desire to serve, we must have a primary desire to sit in the presence of God. And what was Mary doing? She was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to His Word, what He taught her. He was teaching her something. See, what happened the last time that you sat before the Lord, just you personally in your house, because this is happening in her house, and you're sitting at the feet of the Lord, and you're, what are you doing? You're hearing His Word. Now, what does this show us about Mary, that she's devoted? It shows that she's a listener, number one. She's sitting at His feet hearing. That means that she's a listener. But it also shows that she's a learner. She wants to hear His Word. She wants to be taught. So it tells us that also she is teachable. You see, this is a very important trait that we learn from Mary. Not only that she's devoted, she's a learner, she's a listener, she's teachable, but it demonstrates her submission, her faith. It demonstrates her obedience to God, her love for God, because she's sitting in, and and see, that's her focus, is Jesus. And you know what happens when you sit at the feet of Jesus? That's where discipleship begins. You want to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ? It takes for you to sit in and hear His Word. There are times that some of us, we don't really go home and sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. We don't go home and we don't sit and hear His Word personally on a one-on-one basis saying, Lord, You speak to me right now because I want to hear Your voice. And that's where discipleship begins at the feet of Jesus. You want to know where discipleship begins? It does not begin when you're hanging out with your buddy at Starbucks. It does not begin when you come to church and you serve the Lord. It doesn't begin when you get that phone call, when you get that text, when you're sending that Bible verse, when you're, when you're posting it on your social media so that everyone can see and be ministered to. No, it begins when you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what's interesting about this, that in verse 40 it tells us, but Martha was distracted. 
One was devoted and the other one was distracted. And they were in the very same house. <laughs> one was devoted and the other one was distracted. But what was she distracted with? With much serving. With much serving. And, and look what happens. There were so many needs taking place. She wanted to prepare an excellent meal for the Lord. And she said, you know what? This happens is that she's so distracted. She's so anxious. She wants to make sure that all the details are perfect. And she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care? That my sister has left me to serve alone, therefore tell her to help me. You see, there's so much, so many needs sometimes in the house of God or even what God's put in our, in our hands. But be careful that even ministry doesn't rob you, doesn't take you away from the good part that we're going to learn from in verse 41 and 42. Because Mary here took her eyes off of the focus of who was in her house of who was the main now attraction of her home, the center of her home, which was Christ. Jesus had walked in. And because she did that, now she's frustrated and irritated with her sister. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Or just me? <laughs> Where you, you come to church and you're irritated with your brother or your sister, or maybe at home, you're just irritated with people. Because nobody wants to help me. Don't you care, Lord? Look, I have to do everything. I have to come early. I have to stay late. We're at home. You know, no one really cares. No, nobody really understands. And look what Martha has to do. She starts to complain. She becomes irritated because instead of putting her eyes on Jesus, she's putting her eyes on the work. That's what happens easily. You start to complain. You start to become irritated. You become frustrated with the persons and the people that you love because you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why don't you help me? Why don't you do anything? Why is it just me? See, God's not called us to minister to Him with an attitude of complaint. God's called us to minister to Him with an attitude of commitment. And I want you to know that today. Because there's so many times we can be serving like Martha saying, look how much I'm doing. How come nobody else is doing the same? There's so much work and she starts to complain. She said, how come she's not helping me? It's so easy to become frustrated when you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because you start to look at what everyone else is doing instead of you just minding your business at the feet of Jesus. What would happen if we just minded our business at the feet of Jesus? We would not be distracted. Our eyes would continue to be on Him and not the work. You see, it's so easy to welcome Him in, but there be no devotion. A lot of us say, you know, we welcomed him into our house. But is there any sitting at the feet of Jesus in the house? We welcomed him into our church, into our building, to the ministry that he gave us. But is there any devotion taking place? There, there's no sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's no hearing his word. There's no recognizing his voice. And that's what Martha had done. She said, Jesus, come into my house. But she wasn't devoted to him once he was in there. We sometimes can do the very same thing. We say, Lord, come into my house but that there's no sitting at the feet of Jesus once he's in there. See, understand this also, please. That what Martha was doing wasn't a bad thing either. It wasn't bad that she was serving. What the problem was, that it was taking her away from spending time with Jesus. And sometimes there are good things that we're doing in life. <laughs> there, there are great things that we're doing in life. But the problem can be is when those things, when those people, when those relationships, when that job, when that career takes you away from spending time with Jesus. It could even be trying to prepare something for Him. 
You see, because God is not looking at what you brought as much as He's looking inside your heart. And it's so important. And, and sometimes we think, you know, well, I'm doing so many good things. It's not bad what I'm doing. I'm doing something that God gave me. I'm using my gift. I'm using my talent. But is the problem is it's, it's found in that it's taking you away from spending time with Jesus. You see, Martha said, Lord, tell my sister to help me. It's no longer a blessing, God. Now it's become a burden. When you come to church and this is a burden, it's no longer a blessing. It's because the devotion, somewhere, something happened in the devotion. There was a disconnect. And there was no more sitting at the feet. And the vantage point of how you're looking at Christ now is, is a vantage point of, this is unfair now. This is unfair. But look at the response of Jesus in verse 41. And he answered Martha, Martha. He was, he was just, please, Martha, why? You are worried. You are anxious. You are troubled. You are distracted about many things. You are anxious about the ordinary things instead of focusing on the primary things. Has that ever been us? That we're anxious about ordinary things instead of being focused on primary things which is sitting at the feet of Jesus? And our irritation, our temper, our anger, uh, the peace that we have, the joy that we have, it's so easily lost because we're, we're anxious about ordinary things instead of being focused on the primary things, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus. You're worried and you're upset about all the details. And that doesn't let you be ministered by God. Now he says this, but one thing is needed. I want you, this is a power line. The power line is in one thing is needed. Sometimes we think, I was reading, you know, recently, a book, and I, I forgot what, uh, who the author was, but he said sometimes we as believers, we think that, that being busy is a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> if I'm so busy, then that's the fruit of the Spirit. That is not a fruit of the Spirit. God wants you to stop and spend time with Him. You know what He says here? He didn't say five things are needed, ten things are needed. Show me your to-do list. Show me your calendar. Somehow, some way, our culture made us believe that if our planner and our calendar is full, then we have become successful. In the eyes of who? Does that in any way please God if He's not involved? Just because you have an impressive planner doesn't mean that God's a part of it. Because He says one thing is needed. You see, you have a choice to make on one thing only. Do you know in the Bible that, that God uses, and, and we see through different characters of the Bible, that God uses the one thing mentality, the one thing focus, the one thing approach, the one thing purpose, the one thing vision? Today, can we leave as the, the one thing focus in our mind, the one thing vision? We're going to write this down, one thing vision, one thing purpose, one thing mission. One thing mentality, one thing approach, and everything that I do. Do you remember when Jesus, the rich young ruler, went up to Jesus? Rich young ruler. And he says, Jesus, I've kept everything. He says, one thing you haven't done. Sell everything you have and then follow me. One thing. Right here, Jesus tells, now Martha, one thing is needed. What did Paul say? I, I, I leave everything. When I, I do one thing. I, I put everything behind me and I reach forward to what's ahead of me. One thing I do, Paul. One thing I do, Christ. But what is the one thing that he's talking about? Well, even David said one thing. I, I love this. 
I hope that we learn to become more simple so we can spend time satisfied in the presence of God. Paul said it. Jesus said it. David said it. Psalms 27.4. You know what, what David said after being the king, being anointed? One thing I've desired. Why is it that, that all the most godliest people in Scripture only wanted one thing? But for some reason, we want a lot of things. Psalms 27 verse 4. One thing I've desired of the Lord and that I will seek. One thing I desire, that I will see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Oh, that's all I want to do. I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To, to behold the beauty of the Lord. I just want to look at His beauty. I want to be in His presence. I want to behold. You know what behold means? It means to stop and to meditate on the presence of God. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire, to pray in His temple. Oh, that's one thing. That's the only thing I want. What is the one thing that you want the most? The one thing. Because here in verse 41, it's going to tell us one thing is needed, and Mary had chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. You see, have you discovered that good part, that best part? That, 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 that part that is actually worth being concerned about that cannot be taken away from you? I think we're concerned about a lot of things instead of the one thing. We're concerned about how we're going to get from A to B. How we're going to make it next month. We're concerned about what's going to happen in our lives. Is the future that we always imagine is going to be painted the way we wanted it to be. We're concerned about a lot of things, but not the one thing. The one thing that David wanted. The one thing that Jesus told the rich young ruler. The one thing that Jesus told Martha. The one thing that Paul wanted. I leave things behind. I reach forward to the things. You know what that one thing was? It's to be in the presence of God. That's the one thing I want to do. Here Jesus is saying, Martha, you should want one thing only, to be in my presence. What is it that you want today? You notice what, what, that it doesn't say, you know what is most impressive about Mary here, of Bethany? Who did all the talking? Martha. Martha was talking a lot, and she was self-absorbed. But Mary was silent. And she became Jesus absorbed. Do you understand what happens when you're sitting at the presence of Christ? You see, Mary here was, Martha here was complaining and complaining, but, but Mary was sitting at the presence of the Lord and she was absorbed by his presence that she had nothing to say but be there. Just to listen, not to speak, but to listen. Sometimes we think, you know, one thing that we need is revival. No, the Lord says, one thing you need is to sit at my feet and hear the word. One thing we need is a, is a bigger program. No, one thing we need is to sit at my feet and to hear the word. One thing we need is the, 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 the perfect speaker and, and, and just orator and communicator that just ignites and so relevant. Nope, you don't need that either. One thing you need is to sit at his feet and to hear his word. One thing I need is that marriage, that relationship. Nope, one thing you need is to sit at his feet and to hear his word. If I can just have that job, nope, you don't need that either. One thing you need is to sit at his feet and to hear his word. Is Jesus your priority. What is the one thing that you want the most today? What is that one thing? If you can pick one thing, what would it be today? Now let's turn to John chapter 11 because we're going to see Mary of Bethany come up again. And we know that she kept that one thing in mind. She was focused on that one thing. As we go to John chapter 11... We see that Jesus is now also 
our comfort in time of crisis. And Mary of Bethany is going to model that for us. There's a lot of times in our lives where we go through crises or a crisis, right? And as we go through a crisis, whatever it would be, we so easily run to different places in life. You know what Mary of Bethany did? She had a crisis and she also ran. But she ran to Jesus. You know what Mary does? She had a crisis and she took her why? She took her what if? She took her tears and she took them to the feet of Jesus. Now let's see here Mary of Bethany in John chapter 11 because Mary discovers that Jesus is also her comfort and she falls at his feet in times of crisis. Verse 1, John 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus, here we go, of Bethany. And it says here, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now this event in verse 2 had not happened, but here we know that John, the apostle, is writing about something to distinguish which Mary it was. In fact, this event had not happened. It's going to happen in the next chapter. But he's saying he wants to identify which Mary he's talking about. Because she was noted and she was remembered for this act. Now it says, verse 3, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. Now his sisters sent messengers, Lord, the man who you love, you love Lazarus, the man that you, you went to his house, and we cooked you that meal. That, that man that you love is now sick. But now look what happens here. And when Jesus heard that he... Was, he heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. This circumstance is not the end. I want you to, to, to translate that for your situation today. This circumstance is not the end. <laughs> That's what Jesus said. This sickness is not the end. This circumstance is not the end. In your mind, you think this sickness is the end. But in the mind of God, in, in Jesus' mind, He said, this circumstance, this situation, this sickness, this problem, this trouble is not the end. This sickness is not unto death. What is it for then? If it's not the end, then what, is, what are you doing, God? What, what is it? Why, I mean, did you put me here for, for no reason? No, he's saying here, but for the glory of God. What, what, what do you mean? You're telling me that I'm going to experience the glory of God in this sickness? Well, look what happens here. That the Son of God may be glorified through it. Do you know that God wants to be glorified through it? Well, through what? Only you know. Through the sickness, through the pain, through the struggle, through the trouble, through the heartache, through the crisis. He wants to be glorified through it. This is not the end. Jesus is saying. A lot of times we go through the crisis and we say, this is the end, Lord, I, I want to give up. This is the end. But Jesus said this circumstance is only so that God can be glorified through this. That the Son of God will be glorified through this. What did He want to do? How did He want to be glorified? He wanted to demonstrate that He was God. He wanted to demonstrate His power. You know why God, what, how He wants to demonstrate or how He wants to be glorified through it? He wants to show you, remember, I'm God, number one. Number two, and because I'm God, I have power. Now think about verse 5 and 6. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. It's important that the Holy Scriptures write through the apostle here, John, that Jesus loved them. Now you're going to find this very ironic because, you know, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. But Jesus loves me, so he does this. You have to be kidding me. <laughs> now we send you a message, he's about to die. Jesus loves him. Jesus loves her. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves all three of them. 
So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in that place where he was. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Didn't you say that you love me? So you're going to wait? You love me, but you're not going to step in right now? Are you serious? You love me, but you're not going to heal my brother right now before he dies. No, Jesus said, I love you, so I'm going to let you wait. Oh, you're kidding me, God. That's the way the Lord does it all the time. You know what? I love you so much, so I am going to let you wait two more days. You know, why was he going to let them wait? Because the Lord was waiting for Lazarus in their eyes to almost see the end. And for them, yeah, he said, you know what? We see know in Lazarus' story that he was resurrected, he had died. But what had happened? Jesus wanted to wait a little longer so that he can demonstrate his power. You know what happens when you wait? You're learning to trust him. Your faith is growing. You're growing in the Lord as you're waiting for him. And he loves it. And because he loves you, he waits for the purpose of glorifying himself. God doesn't wait because he wants to get you anxious. He, God waits because he wants you to grow. God waits because he wants your faith to expand. God waits because he wants to glorify himself through the growth of his disciples. Do you know that you're growing right now as you're waiting for whatever it is that you're, you've been praying for? As you're waiting for whatever it is that you've been praying for, the answer to that prayer, you are growing as you're waiting for the answer to that prayer. And we know here that God's timing always accomplishes God's purpose. Because the faith was growing. Miracles happen when we wait. And look what happens here. Because we're going to go down to verse 15. They go and they tell Jesus that Lazarus is dead. And Jesus said, And I am glad for your sake that I wasn't there. What? Are you kidding me, Lord? And you're glad? You see, when you're trusting the Lord, when you're waiting on God, when your faith is growing, it makes Him glad. Why? Because you're growing in your relationship with the Lord. Do you know that the Lord is glad right now that you're waiting on Him? The Lord is glad that you're waiting. It makes Him glad. Because when you wait is when miracles are going to happen. It's when your faith is going to grow. It's when you learn to depend on the Lord more. And it said here in verse 15, I'm glad that I wasn't there because what is it doing in you? What is it doing in you and how is it going to glorify me? And it says here that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him let us go to him now let's go to verse 28 now because here is where mary of bethany walks in as the situation now is before us and and now martha just had a conversation with jesus being anxious and demonstrating her complaints as well but in verse 28 martha goes to mary back at the house because she met jesus before he came into the city And she says, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Now, I want you to underline that church tonight because the teacher has come and the teacher is calling for you too. Jesus is calling you in times of crisis. Now, you would say, where can I go? Jesus is calling you. The teacher is calling. I love the word that says teacher because you know why she said teacher? Because she knew Mary was a learner. Is he your teacher? You can't be your teacher if you're not learning. The only way that you become a teacher is because she said, you know, I know he's your teacher. He's calling for you. And the teacher is calling for you too. And as soon as she heard it, she arose quickly and came to him. She arose only to kneel down. How many times do you arise in your crisis to do something else? She arose, she rises to her feet 
to fall on her knees. Do you see that that's about to happen right now? This is her reaction. This is her response. She arose. And where did she arise? It says here in verse 31, And the Jews who were with her in the house, and in comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, and she went out, she followed, went out, followed her, saying she's going to the tomb to weep there. Now in the Jewish culture, what they would do is they would actually hire other Jews that would come and comfort them at the house, and they would just weep and wail and be there mourning for them. She left those who were there to comfort her, to mourn with her, to go there to the true comforter, which was Christ. She left them. She said, I don't care if they're here. I'm going to rise up quickly. I'm not interested, but I'm going to Jesus. And it says that she went quickly, and, she, and they went out following her. She went quickly. Why is it that sometimes we are not quick to go to the feet of Christ? But in verse 32, it says here, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet again. She fell down at his feet again, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if. Isn't that how we always say, Lord, if. Lord, why? Why did this have to happen, Lord? Why? If. Lord, please. You had been here, my brother would have not died. She fell at his feet. She took her why. She took her if. She took her tears. And she took him to the feet of Christ. Why? Because she wanted to be comforted. And she knew that true comfort came from the place of being at the feet of Jesus. But you know why she went there? Because she was desperate as well. She went with a heart that's desperate. She needed counsel. She needed comfort. And the best place to find that is at the feet of Christ. In Psalms 30, verse 5, what does it tell us? When we're in crisis, Psalms 35 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, she was crying, literally. She said, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. What did Jesus do for Mary now of Bethany? He groaned in his spirit. It was a groaning. It was a tr- he was brokenhearted here. He was compassionate here. He was full of compassion. He was moved in his spirit, it says. Why? Because she came to him desperate at his feet. She didn't come and, and like Martha trying to have a full-on blown conversation as to Jesus and, and, and asking him, what, what's the matter with you? She came to his feet. And that's where she found compassion. You know, she didn't know why it happened, but she knew where to go. There's so many times in our lives that we don't know why situations happen and we try to blame one thing or another. We even try to blame God sometimes. Lord, look, they were trying to blame Jesus. Jesus, why didn't you come? Have you ever tried to blame God and why the situation you're in? And the Lord says, wait, wait, stop. Stop there for a minute. I'm God, you're not. And I want you to just fall at my feet because when you fall at my feet, guess what you get? You get compassion. You want some compassion today. You want compassion in that moment of crisis, then fall at his feet. A lot of times we're anxious, we're troubled, we, we, we're troubled with, with, with what a doctor can say, we're troubled about the situation, we're troubled that it's out of our control, and we're so worried instead of being in the presence of Jesus and trusting him. Stop trusting something else. Trust God. And it becomes very troublesome, very even annoying, if we can use that word. We're running all over the place. We're not running to his feet. Let us run to his feet because there you're going to find compassion. You're looking for compassion in the wrong places. 
You think that Mary knew, thought that those Jewish people that were hired on were going to give her compassion? You think a doctor's going to offer you compassion? You think the internet's going to offer you compassion? The internet's going to confuse you. <laughs> the internet is making you stand, stay up at night. <laughs> That's what the internet's going to do. So get, get off the internet and go to the feet of Jesus, for crying out loud. Go to the feet of Jesus. Now, let's go to the next chapter, chapter 12, because this is the last time we see Mary of Bethany come, and this is a beautiful picture as we close in the last moment of where we see Mary of Bethany. And I, I mean, this is so impressive, because now Mary of Bethany tells us not only that Jesus is priority, Jesus is our comfort in time of crisis, but also that Jesus is our worship, our, our ultimate worship. And she, you know what she does here? She offers a sacrifice of praise. I mean, can we do that? Offer a sacrifice of praise to God. And I'm not, I'm not talking about just, just singing some songs. I'm talking about real worship. Because worship is not a 30-minute set. Worship is not music that you put on your car. Worship is, not, worship is a lifestyle. And here we see that she's going to do that. Look at the picture now. Because here in John 12, verse 1, says this. Then six days before the Passover, before Jesus was going to go into Jerusalem, here... Jesus came to Bethany again, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. He went back into Bethany. And he went, and he wanted to check on Lazarus. Hey, Lazarus, how you doing? Remember, we raised you from the dead? A lot of people had been saved since that moment because of the fact that Lazarus, that miracle, they saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. So now he wanted to go back, and they made him a supper. This is amazing. They made him something to eat. They want to say, Lord, we want to receive you. We want to celebrate you. We're so grateful that you've done this in our city. Man, they, made a, they threw a party for Jesus because he was coming. They started to cook and bring out the pans and the pots, and they were making something. Look who's cooking. And Martha served. Man, you got to give it up for Martha. <laughs> you know one of the things that we learned from Martha just really quickly, even though this study is not about her anymore, too much? That she learned what was the number one good thing, but it didn't stop her from stop serving. A lot of times, you know, one thing is, I'm just going to sit in. I'm never going to do nothing for the Lord. No. Martha learned that lesson. But then after she saw Jesus rise with her, 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 her uh, brother from the dead, I guess she said, I'm, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve him. You have no excuse on not why to serve him. Someone once said, you know what? Some people just want to be Mary's. Other people just want to be Martha's. Uh, you know, why don't we just be a, a, a Marsha? <laughs> you know, a little bit of both. Or you're sitting at his feet, but you're also serving him. Look, she, here it says, Martha was serving him. And it says in verse 2, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. I, I, mean, I was so blessed when I, when I read that this week. Lazarus was sitting at the table. The man that was dead is now sitting at the table. Do you not believe that one day you were dead, but the Lord said, I'm going to raise you from the dead. And guess what the Lord said? And then I'm going to make room at the table for you. You're going to sit with me and we're going to have devotion and we're going to have communion and we're going to have fellowship together. We're going to have intimacy and we're going to be with one another. He made room for Lazarus at the table. That's the kind of room he wants to make for you at the table. Now it said that they were have communion with Jesus here. He makes room for fellowship here. One was Lazarus. One was sitting at the table. The other one was serving him. And look at this is a dynamic family. One was sitting at the table with communion. The other one was serving Jesus. And the other one's going to come and do something incredible. Mary of Bethany. And it says, hey, one of those who sat at the table, then Mary, she comes out here again. Just Mary's so unpredictable. We have to just love. Again, she says nothing. Why is it that the three times that we see Mary, she says nothing? 
I mean, I think about some of the people that, that, that just serve so beautifully at the church, and they hardly are the ones that say, no, they're so quiet about serving. The Lord loves it when you serve Him quietly, when you serve Him committed to His presence, when you serve Him at His feet. She didn't say nothing either this time. But it said that Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped His feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. These are some essential oils right here that Mary shows up with. <laughs> so she shows up with something awesome here because it tells us that she went and she took a pound of very costly oil. It wasn't a cheap uh, oil. It wasn't something, you know what, I just put something together really quick. Here you go, Jesus. This is how I'm going to anoint your feet. No, it was something very costly. She took a flask, it tells us, and then she anointed the feet of Jesus. Now, she didn't anoint his head which was, or his hair, which was customary, showing that, you know, his, uh, complete respect. But she went to his feet and demonstrated some honor. Now, it said that she went and anointed his feet with very costly oil, and it tells us here that this was her hospitality or this was her worship. Because the very costly oil, look what happens as we start to learn more about this. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why is this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, Judas was there. And he started to criticize Mary because of what she was doing. Understand this, when you come to break a very costly flask of oil before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to offer this to you as a way of worship. There are going to be those around you that are going to try to criticize you because of the way you're doing it. It's specifically because it's very costly. See, we have a problem sometimes of saying, you know what, if it's for ministry, if it's for church, we're not going to spend too much money because it's just, I mean, come on, that's not what really matters. And we use that as an excuse to offer the Lord just anything. I love what one brother said recently. He said, this is a reflection of our ministry to the Lord. We're going to offer Him the best. We're not just going to offer Him a, a leftover, something that's, that doesn't work, something that's cheap. We want, this is a reflection of our hearts, of our attitude. We want to offer Him the best, something very costly. I'm going to tell you something. Mary here, we're going to see that Judas started to criticize Mary. And she said, you know what? This is not worth 300 denarii. 300 denarii was almost a year's worth of salary because one denarii was worth one day's worth of salary. So she spent almost a year's salary on this oil that she just gave to Jesus' feet. And some people, are you kidding me? We could have fed the poor. And you're over spiritual now, <laughs> Judas. But he, wasn't care. he didn't care about the poor. He cared about himself. Those people that criticize, they don't care about really the poor, what you could have done for them. They care about themselves sometimes. And she, he didn't notice that she was ministering to Jesus. Because look what happens here. It says in verse 3 that the fragrant filled, filled now that house with worship. Do you know that when you, those moments that you break that flask of very costly or whatever it is that God's calling you to do, you are filling the house of God with worship. Lord, I want to offer you this. You're filling the house with very fragrant worship to the Lord. It's become very costly. It matters to you. You're going to give Him the best. You think about what is happening here. Because she also let down her hair. You see, Jewish women would not do this. You'd be criticized. What are you doing? She said, you know what? I'm going to worship him. She let down her hair. And she started to anoint his feet with her hair. Which was, was, was known to be something very private. Something very reserved for the Jewish woman. She said, no, this is reserved. But it's reserved for Jesus. 
How many times have you put something that says reserved, but it's reserved for Jesus? And I'm going to take what's my very best and break that flask and fill the house with costly worship. I love that it says costly because sometimes our worship doesn't cost us anything. Our worship is so easy. It's so inconvenient. It's so convenient. And when our worship becomes inconvenient, then no, Jesus, I can't do that because it's inconvenient. You don't think of Mary cared about that? Mary Bethany says, give me the most inconvenient thing, the most expensive thing to do, and I'm going to offer that to the Lord. It is okay to do something costly for Jesus. Why is it okay for us to do something costly for ourselves, for the world, but when it comes to Jesus, we, we can't get costly for Him? You see, she was not self-conscious. She didn't care who was watching because that's the way that surrender looks. You know what surrender looks like? It looks like you not being self-conscious before people. What, what was she doing when her hair was down? She was saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this to Lazarus. Lord, you're worthy of all this oil. You're worthy of this offering. Lord, this is not cheap. This is costly. I want to give it to you. This was a display of devotion. When was the last time you displayed something like that, a devotion, where you say, Lord, my worship is going to be excellent. My worship is going to be excellent. Now, it says this in verse 5. Why wasn't this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, we know that he didn't care about the poor. He cared about himself. He had his own agenda. He had his own motives here. But Jesus defends her, and he said, Now, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he, he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus in verse 7, let her alone. Look what he says, let her alone. Leave her alone. She had kept this for the day of my burial. When they would bury someone, what's the first process before you bury? You, now, the embalming process was that you would give them this fragrant perfume. You know what Mary was doing? It's amazing here because she knew she was following Jesus. She knew that Jesus was going to the cross and that he would die because Jesus told her and Jesus told the disciples. But she was the only one that was listening. <laughs> That's what she knew he was about to go to. The disciples cared more about status. The disciples cared more of, of, of self. They were concerned more about self that she missed what she was doing. She was saying thank you, but she was also preparing this offering that would be taken to the cross. Isn't this amazing? You know why it was a costly offering? Because it was going to be taken to the cross. That's when an offering becomes costly. When you offer it and you say, Lord, this is costly because I'm taking it. To the cross. And it had become a costly offering. Not only this, but this fragrant oil, this fragrant worship oil, uh, uh, of smell, of fragrance that we see here is a very smell or scent that was on Jesus while he was on that cross that day. You see what's happening here? Now, Jesus tells them something in verse 8, and this is where we're going to finish. He says, For the poor you have. The poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. You know what Jesus is saying? Anything that you do for me and anything that you do for Christ is never a waste. You know what the enemy wants to come to tell you? That was a waste. Jesus said, anything that you do for me, anything that you, that you invest on me, anything that you do to minister to Jesus as a fragrant offering of costly oil, as a sign of worship, is never a waste. I mean, this, does this not make us want to come to Him and say, Lord, I want to I offer you something like this? 
Now, Mary doesn't defend herself. Mary doesn't try to justify herself in front of Jesus. How many times do you try to justify? We're doing this because. Who cares about the because? God already told you why you're doing it. What are they thinking about us? I mean, I tell you, I'll struggle with that with all the time. What are they thinking about? Who cares what they think about us now? <laughs> if, they, they thought, if they thought about something, it was a long time ago. That's, I mean, we're past that. <laughs> we're serving the Lord. Whatever the Lord says we're going to do at this point. And let's continue serving the Lord. You know why Mary didn't care? Why she didn't try to justify herself? You know why she didn't defend herself? Because she was at the feet of Jesus and nothing else mattered. And when you're at the feet of Jesus, nothing else matters. Why? Because at the feet of Jesus, how do you feel? You feel secure and confident there. A lot of times we battle with insecurity. We battle with, with image. We battle with, with what, what other people are going to think about us. You know what Mary said? This is where my security is. And this is where my confidence is at the feet of Jesus. See, we learn three things at the end. When it comes to Mary, we learn that she sat at the feet of Jesus to learn. She fell at his feet to surrender when her brother had passed. And that she anointed his feet to honor Jesus. Have you learned? Have you surrendered? And have you honored him? It's so important that we learn this because you must sit at his feet. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says this, you must sit at his feet or you will never anoint them. I've never anointed the feet of Jesus because I haven't sat at his feet. You must sit at his feet or you will never anoint him. He must pour his divine teaching into you or you will never pour out the precious ointment upon him. He must pour into you his teaching or you will never pour out that ointment of oil and offering upon him. You know why a lot of times we don't want to have nothing to pour on the feet of Jesus? It's because we haven't sat there to be poured into so we have nothing to pour out to and that's into the Lord. Why don't we stand today and pray? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, and today we stand. We stand with the commitment that we're going to spend time at your feet later. We stand, Lord, because we want to then go fall at your feet. There's no way that we're going to go ahead and anoint those feet if we've never sat there. I pray, Lord, that we would become people that are disciples from sitting at the feet of Jesus. Bless our time, God, there. Let that be the one thing that we want, the one thing we want most to be at your presence. In Jesus' name, with the other we said.